Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Well, thank you so much, and it's always such an honor to be here, Melissa and I, and I want to start by giving some, some thoughts on some few folks in the room this morning, and first, I want to start with my wife, and, um, and it's her, tomorrow's her birthday, and, <laughs> and so we're going to be joining Lyle for a few days, and, and uh, I wanted to wish her a happy birthday, and... Uh, this has been a crazy year, guys, and um, you guys don't know how much we appreciate you. Um, this has been a crazy year with everything that's went on, uh, with every, uh, I know that whenever we started back to church, uh, we started a few months, a couple of months ago getting back together, and, and um, there was literally like 30% of the people were coming, and um, and here you guys are online still. God bless you. <laughs> and uh, for those of you watching today online, we greet you and thank you for watching. And we appreciate you so very, very much. But um, I could go on and on uh, for the faces in the room. Uh, I'll never forget uh, some years ago whenever we came and we met with the board that was here previous. And, and uh, I'll never forget actually the body language and uh, we would like to offer you this property um, to do with what God wants to do with. And, and we thank you guys for that so much. And, and it's been such a blessing. And, uh, and now looking into the next for the season that's next. And uh, the new building. And, and now I know that it's being dem demoed and getting ready to start building back. And, and guys, I can't wait. I I'm looking forward to teaching in Legacy College as well. If, if, you're not, if you're not signed up for that, you need to get signed up. I'm going to be speaking on character, and um, that's, my, that's my assignment. And so, <laughs> and so uh, guys, just get ready. I hope that you are um, uh, able to do that and get involved in that. And I'm going to be speaking this morning on a, on a, a message that was actually uh, asked, requested. This is a requested message. <laughs> And so we're going to talk this morning about Satan's desire. Amen. Have you heard that before? Have y'all heard that one before? Yeah, well, we're going to, it was requested, so I, I'm being, uh, I'm obedient this morning. Uh, Lyle, whenever we spoke, Pastor Lyle and Allie and, and uh, my wonderful grandbabies, y'all don't know them, do you? And um, I, I want to say this morning before I get into this that, uh, Lyle and Allison are such a blessing to us. And uh, I'm a proud daddy. And we got a proud mama over here as well. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking at our next, what that looks like for us. Uh, we're just now in phase one completion of our new building there in Owensboro. And, uh, guys, if you haven't looked online and looked at the pictures, um, it, quite honestly, is amazing of what God is doing there. You should check it out. Um, our lobby is bigger than... 
<laughs> than when we started. I wish I didn't say in our last year, it's bigger than when we started. It's bigger than the church we started in. And so, uh, yeah, I think the lobby's like 6,000 square feet or something like that, and chandeliers, and, and it's just quite honestly amazing. 16 auditoriums. It, it was an old theater. And uh, when I say old, I mean whenever we actually walked in the doors, they were taking out the last projectors. It never set empty. And so we were, uh, uh, had the opportunity to walk into that, and it was fresh. It hadn't sit and, and, and really had aged. So uh, everything is painted. We've actually basically redone most of all the auditoriums other than about five of them that are on the north end, which we intend to tear down at some point in the future for phase two. But we'll, we'll talk about that at some point. Uh, we're not ready for that yet. <laughs> we're happy to be done with phase one. But um, Lyle and Allie and my grandbabies um, have done such a wonderful job here in Nashville, and you guys honor them so well. And uh, I come down, and, and I, I get emotional, and I don't know why I do that. I get emotional every time I walk into this room and look at you guys and begin to try to talk. I, I try to talk for a minute till I'm, that's all I'm doing right now is getting my bearings, if you can't tell. Uh, I, because it's emotional for me. And uh, one of these days when you have um, old children, and I say old, older children in their mid-30s, and they start doing things that you know God's put in them, and you'll, you'll know what I mean if you haven't already experienced that. And so I, I can't say enough about your pastors, my son and my, my daughter-in-law, my daughter. Uh, we, she's a Phillips now, Dobbin family, so I don't know if you realize that or not. But. She is now a Phillips. Well, let's get into this this morning, and maybe I can do this justice today. I, I, I believe that we're going to talk about, I really would just want to talk about three questions, to be quite honest with you. I'm gonna, my message today is going to be presented to you in three questions. And, um, and these questions are all about uh, what we find out of the book of Isaiah in chapter number 14. So if you'd like to turn there in your smartphone or whatever you have in your device this morning, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version. But my first question this morning is simply this, and I want you to take notes. Maybe you're, you're listening, and if you're watching online today, I want you to take uh, mental note today of a few things that was spoken of. Now, I feel like I need to set this up for just a minute because we're going to find that in the Scripture, that in these prophetic words of Isaiah, that we have um, basically it's being spoken to the king but really and truly what Isaiah is speaking of is the spirit behind the king. And so he's beginning to talk to the spirit. And Isaiah begins to speak directly to this demonic spirit that is leading um, this king and these things that are going on that, uh, that the enemy is propagating and doing. And so let us, let us just get into the first question. It's simply, I want to ask this question. What was Satan's desire? And the key word here is was. What was Satan's desire? Let's go into Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12. There are five I wills here that I want you to make note of. Isaiah 14 verse 12 through verse number 14. Let's look for just a moment here. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, number one, I will ascend to the heavens. I will 
raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. And then the last one, I will make myself like the most high. There are five I wills in these few verses of Scripture. I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. And I will ascend above the, excuse me, the heights of the clouds. And I will be like the most high. Now we find God's response to these words in verse number 15. And God responds in this way. Notice what he says. He says, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead. When we talk about the realm of the dead, we're talking about complete and total separation from God. You'll notice all throughout Scripture, whenever he talks about people being asleep, like Lazarus was mentioned here this morning, he was nothing more than asleep. He wasn't dead. He was asleep because God had a future for him. He was going to be with God again. Dead is complete separation from God. So we have people today that are walking the streets of Nashville that are spiritually dead. They are not connected to God. They, they don't have that place in God's heart. They have not repented of their sins and asked Christ into their life. So that total separation, God was saying to Satan, you have gone down to the realm of the dead in complete and total separation, and there will not be an opportunity for you to ever be reunited with the presence of God. Satan has no hope. He cannot repent. The things that he done are etched in stone. He is done. He is total and completely separated from God for eternity. He says, you have gone to the depths of the pit. Satan's greatest desire. The word desire simply means his will. It means desire. I will means desire. He says, I will ascend into the heavens. I will do this. It simply means that Satan had a desire in his heart. There was something on the inside of him. If I, I heard for many years early on that, that God had created the angels and basically they, they didn't have a, a will, but that is incorrect. Everyone has a will. We all have a will here this morning. Even the angels in heaven have a will. They got to choose, and you can read on. They got to choose whether they would follow God or follow Satan. And the Bible teaches us that there were many. A third of the angels fell with Satan because of his pride and his arrogance and his thoughts and what he intended to do. And I guess somehow, some way, that he had somehow diverted their thoughts from the Father and that he was going to lead them into something that the Father could not lead them into, therefore led them into his doom and gloom, if I may. The five statements from Satan say, I will. Satan wants, first and foremost, to be worshipped. This is the nature of all of us born of the flesh, even in here this morning. That's why we have to be redeemed. Once redeemed, the song said, justified. Justified simply means, whenever we look at it from a theological perspective, it simply means that I have been just as if I had never sinned. God, whenever he saved you, he justified you. 
So therefore, whenever I became justified, I don't have to look back at what I used to be or what I, I, I came out of. Those things, yes, may drive me closer to God, but I'm justified because I've been redeemed. I have been regenerated. I have come into the presence of God, received Him as my personal Savior, and Christ did what only Christ could do. I didn't deserve this. Nothing I could do to earn it. He justified me. Just as if I had never sinned. Why? Because Christ was a sinless man who hung on a cross for me, died and was resurrected on the third day. He paid, you got to get this. He paid the price for me. Now I can be justified. And therefore somebody, and maybe it's online today, that is thinking to themselves, you know, this is what I used to be. And that old man is starting to get a hold of you again. Because it's been a while since maybe you've been into the presence of God. And that old man starts to creep back into our hearts. But I want you to be reminded this morning that whenever you came to Christ, you gave him your life, Christ justified you. Now, you've got to get that this morning because there's freedom in that statement. There's something in that that frees me from all of my past experiences, the things that I used to do. How, I don't care how bad you were. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Christ, I'm going to hammer this this morning, justified you. Amen. You've got to get that. You've got to get that. You are free. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. This is the nature of all of us in the room this morning is to have the big eye. Oh, look at me. Look what I'm doing. Before we came to Christ, the most important thing in our lives oftentimes was us. Anyone in the room want to be honest this morning about who is the most important person in your life? You may not want to admit it, but you know, you know the old saying is whenever you're in a, in a photo with other people, who's the first person you look at? Do you look good? Because if you look good, that's a good photo. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing, right? Because it's, it's us. It's who we are. It's how we interact. It's what I think initially. It's where I go whenever I'm, I'm being honest with myself. Do I look good? Do I feel good? Do, is everything cool? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, so everything else is going to be good. Jesus always, note statement, Jesus always turned the attention back to the Father. Always, 100% of the time. He always turned the attention back to the Father. This is something that Satan decided that at some point he decided he was going to lift himself up. And he was going to let heaven know of his authority. Now, we're going to dive into what his authority was in a moment. But remember my first question. What was Satan's desire? Satan's desire is to be lifted up. Now, I want you to notice in verse number 11. I read the first portion of that verse. It says, your pomp is brought down to Sheol, Sheol and the sound of your harps. Everybody say harps. I want us to think about a harp for a moment because I was noticing the young man over here playing the guitar this morning. He's playing a stringed instrument. It's not a harp, but it is out of the harp category of the stringed instruments. Now, I also noticed something very exciting this morning. He had on a pair of tennis shoes that I wore in high school. <laughs> the strap Nikes. I had a pair of those, I think, when I was a junior in high school. So I don't know where you are, sir, but those are awesome. 
Where are you? Lift your hand. I want to see you. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Way back there. What are you doing all the way back there? <laughs> Amen. The strapped on Nikes. Notice with me, Satan has stringed instruments. He has stringed instruments. The Bible teaches me that Satan literally in his created form in heaven, God created him with a harp, with strings made in him. It wasn't something he had, it's what he was. Isaiah was actually in these few verses as he was talking to the king of Babylon. He was basically looking through the king and speaking to that spirit that was, that was driving the king. Now, some of us in this room this morning need to think about some of the things that we do, some of the things that we say, some of the things that drive us. And I ask you this morning, what spirit is that coming from? Where is that coming from? Even as a Christian, I can get my head in the wrong places. I can let influences begin to influence my mind. I can be watching the wrong programs. I can be listening to the wrong music. I can, be, I can start to do some things that my regenerated person, spirit, really should not ex necessarily be exposed to. But because I'm exposing myself to that, my mind starts to get cluttered with stuff. And every now and then, God will begin to say things. He may be talking to me, but he's speaking to that spirit on the inside of me. And he said, hey, time to clean that up, boy. Has God ever spoke to your spirit? Time to clean that up. I've really been on, I came out of a series a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago on the mind. And one of the things that we, we must understand that the three, three components of man, the tri, the, 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 all of us in our, in our triness, if I may, of man is our spirit, soul, and our body. Our spirit, our heart. When the scripture talks of heart, it's spirit. When it talks of soul, it's the mind. When it talks of body, it's body, of course. But there's an influence in my spirit, my spirit man. My spirit man affects my soul, my thoughts, my, the data of my thinking, how I conceive, what I look at, how I receive it. It's my attitude, my seat of reasoning. And if we let it, that spirit will begin to deal with my heart. My spirit gets tainted. And when my spirit gets tainted, my thoughts begin to become tainted. And when my thoughts become tainted, then I begin to play out. I can be saved and be tormented. How many of you all know a, a, a Christian that's just unhappy? Just unhappy Christians. People that, that maybe even in church, even this morning, unhappy. There's a heart problem. There's a spirit problem. There, listen to me, there's a spirit problem. And oftentimes it has to do with pride. And that's what Isaiah was saying. Isaiah was saying... King of Babylon, I want you to know I'm talking to you, but I'm really getting to the root of what you're thinking and what's going on inside your heart. And I'm speaking to that spirit. And so let's stop for just a moment this morning. And let's begin to check our hearts and our spirit. Let's begin to think about who we are and why we're doing what we're doing and what we're thinking about. Because if we allow it long enough... What begins to happen, it begins to deal with my head. It begins to deal with my thoughts. It begins to make me feel I'm not what God's called me to be. Well, I'm just little old me. I'm just this. I don't have anything to say. Yeah, you do. You have all kinds of things to say and to do in your life. I, I want you to know, and I teach this often, you've got to get your head up and be beginning to think about what is your next in life. 
Because every one of us in this room, I don't care if you're pastor, I don't care if you're middle-aged, I don't care if you're young, it doesn't matter your age, you have a next. And I think that's the problem oftentimes, especially in church atmospheres, is, is that we get locked into a certain area of the church and feel like that I'll be here forever. That is not true. Of any, I've been in church long enough. I don't know of anybody that's been in a position forever. Anyone? It's not true. So we lie to ourselves that I own this when I, I'm just a representative of God. I can't wait for my next. I'm not fighting my next. I'm not ready to stop pastoring, but I'm, I'm ready to move if God says move. Because I know that when he says move, I've got something greater in store. Instead of me staying where I'm at and becoming miserable and preaching things in a, with a old hard heart and a mind that's all messed up and, and just acting as though I'm enjoying this and not really enjoying it at all, and I'm just miserable. I don't want to be miserable, and I don't want my heart to get tainted to a place that I become miserable. This is what Satan does, guys, for, to Christians. I'm here. I own this. No, you don't. This is God's house. This is God's ministry. And when God says move, it's time to move. I've been asking God. I ask my wife every time we drive through Nashville. You ready to move yet? You ready to move yet? No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I said, well, do you want a second home here? Well, maybe so. Maybe so. I want to read today in the book of Ezekiel. I'm being prophetic with you today. Is that okay? Because there's something I think whenever I break this down at the end that you're really going to enjoy. In Ezekiel chapter 28 verses 11 through 16 says this, Moreover the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation unto the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, the full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden in the garden of God. Now, who's he talking about? He's not talking about king of Tyre or the king of Tyrus. He's talking to a spirit. Because that king wasn't in the garden of God. So he's talking to the spirit that is in this king that is ruling. So don't get be confused and say, oh my God, I don't understand. How can this king be in two places at once? It's because these prophets began to see to the core of the problem and not looking at the person, looking at the spirit. So the Son of Man, take up lamentation unto God. Verse 13, thou hast been in the garden of God. Every precious stone um, was thy covering. He's talking to Satan, to Lucifer. So he's talking to him and he says, the Cyrus, or excuse me, the Sardis, Topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the gold, and the workmanship of the tabret. Everybody say tambourine. tambourine. The tabret, the tambourine, a, a, a percussion instrument. Hmm. So he had all of these stones in him. He was beautiful. It was a beautiful sight. He had all of these diamonds and topaz. And then he says, of thy tabret, of thy percussion instrument, and thy pipes, wind instruments, was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Mm. So now we understand that he had a harp, stringed instruments from our previous verse. Now we find Ezekiel talking about percussion instruments. 
And we also find him talking about wind instruments. I want you to think with me for a moment. And it says that he was created with these things. Verse 14, I'll get ahead of myself if I don't watch. (laughs) Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so that thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, that thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandising. Say that word with me. Merchandising. Hmm, interesting word, isn't it? They have filled in the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Notice in verse number 13 it says, Thy workmanship the tambourine, the percussion instrument, was made in in Satan's created body, if I may use that term this morning. This is who he was. This is what he he carried. This young man up here playing the guitar this morning, he brought that with him, but what Satan would do is just walk up and just start... And it would just play. Strings would just play. Pipes wind instruments would just begin to sound. (laughs) Percussion would just emanate from him. He was made, if I may, as the choir director or the worship leader of heaven. In Isaiah 14, it says that you have stringed instruments. All instruments fall into three categories. Am I right or am I wrong? Some of you in here know this better than I do. But all this now, I'm not talking about digital. Pre-digital. All instruments fall into three of one of three categories. They fall into these three. The tabrets, which is the percussion. The pipes, which is the wind. And then we have the strings, which was the harp. The stringed instruments. There are always three angels from heaven that are involved in a church service. Always. I want you to notice Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael. Every church service has three components to it. I want you to think with me for a moment. Every church service. This is heaven. This is heaven. What do we do? We have worship. Now the worship leader in heaven was Lucifer. He fell. We know that. We've read that. Then there's always the word which is stood by 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 the angel of Gabriel. He attends to the word. Angels. We don't worship angels. We don't pray to angels. But angels help us. Somebody said amen. Amen. They help us. And prayer is always attended to by Michael. And so Michael is attentive to our prayers. He's attentive to when we're praying and when we're worshiping and whenever we're preaching. There's always an angel. There's a power of the Spirit. We call it the anointing. But God is moving. Something begins to happen whenever I start to pray, whenever I start to preach, whenever I start to play my instrument, whenever I start to preach the Word of God, teach the Word of God. Things begin to move in you and through you and throughout the congregation. It's because God is attentive to us. Now, I noted with you just a a few verses ago that I I wanted you to remember the word merchandising. Now, let's break that down for a moment. In another version, the word trading, T-R-A-D-I-N-G, trading is used in this verse. 
What this means in the Hebrew is simply this. When we take something that belongs to God for ourselves, Satan took of God's worship for himself. It was supposed to pass, get this, it was supposed to pass through him, but Satan held back and he stopped a portion of that worship to God and held it for himself. And so God, the spirit of Ezekiel, began to prophesy to the spirit. And he says, I want you to know you have been found guilty. Guilty of what? Merchandising. Guilty of what? Trading. Guilty of what? Holding back. Is there anybody in here this morning that's been holding back in your worship? You have been holding something. I'm not just talking about coming in one day and not having the energy you need. I'm talking about holding something back. There's something in you that really just, and I love exuberant worship. I'm telling you, I I, I enjoy that. And you guys do it better than we do in Owensboro. I'll tell you right now, I love it, I love it, I love it. But I want you to know, never get so good at your worship that it begins to be a part of your identity because... Because your identity is in Christ. And whenever you're in Christ, it all goes to God. Every single bit of it. And it, and it can get to where it's easy to hold back. Even preaching. It's easy to hold back. If you don't watch yourself, if your spirit gets tainted. It's easy to hold back something that maybe ought to be, be being given to God. And maybe there's a little arrogance or a little pride in there, a little something in there that's a little bit too much of me. It can happen to any of us. But Satan did it to the point that he was cast out of heaven. Satan got so wrapped up in pride that God cast him out. God is the only one worthy of worship. Not me. And not you. God is the only one worthy of worship. Now, I've taken a long time in my first point, but my second two won't be near as long in trying to get you to build that understanding. The answer to my first point is simply this. What was Satan's desire? It was to be worshipped. He wants to be worshipped like God. He wants everything that God had and more. He became uh, prideful and arrogant. He wants to be worshipped. My second question this morning, what is Satan's desire? It was, now is. What is Satan's desire? Notice with me Matthew 4, 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him into a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this, Satan said, I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Now I want you to notice something here. Worship is always expressed. In other words, love is always expressed. Satan said, bow down. I want an expression from you. I want an expression. When we get excited, I know I do, I get excited about a lot of things in life. But there's only one thing that I want to express my worship to, and that is God. I, want to, I don't want to become so full of life and things of life that I began to worship other things. No, no, no. We could talk a long time about that. 
about worshiping other things. You, you realize that the scripture teaches me that God is a jealous God. Nothing goes before God. Absolutely nothing. If he is not first, he is nothing. He is not your co-pilot. I, I, those wonderful license plates, you know. I, he's not your co-pilot. He is your pilot. He is the number one. He, he is it. He is the God, not a God, not a little G, but capital uppercase G God. He is either all or he is nothing. And that's not because he's, he's arrogant. It's because of who he is. It's what he has done for us. Do we realize that we were bought, we were paid. God paid a price for us so that we could be justified, so that we could be regenerated, so that I could be walking in sanctification. You, you get these words, right, to whereby that I'm moving closer to God. Yeah, I was regenerated in, in my repentance, and then I began sanctifying. I'm moving and becoming more like Christ. Amen. I'm becoming more like Christ. I'll never stop being sanctified. I'm becoming more like Christ every day. Satan does not want us to express our love to God. I was emotional this morning when I began to worship with you guys. I'm always reminded. I, I grew up in a in a home that was a great home. My mother and dad owned a grocery store and a hardware store for 45 years. It was a great home. But we never rarely went to church. It wasn't because they didn't want to. We went sometimes. We were good people. Mom and dad's great people. But I'll never forget, I, Melissa and I got married and we had had Lyle and... and um, and we started having problems. We're just like everybody else. We started having problems after about a year of marriage or so. And, and I've known this young lady right here for 40 years. Now that takes us way back. But that's just 40 years. And, uh, and so, where was I going with this story, sweet pea? Yeah, I'm getting old. Forgetting it all. Yeah, great parents leading but there come a point in time, thank you, there come a point in time whenever we were going through so much and, and Melissa looked at me and she said, it's like this, either we're going to go to church or we're going to get a divorce. Now what's it going to be? Because I ain't doing this no more. And so I said, well, I love you and I think we should go to church. And so I just wasn't acting like I loved her. Y'all ever do that? Y'all don't do that, do you? You love someone, but you don't act like you love them? Oh, is that too real? And so she says, I said, well, I grew up a Methodist. And, and I said, well, we'll just go down here to the Methodist church. She said, oh, no. I grew up Pentecostal. We're going to go over here to this Holiness Pentecostal church. I've never been to a Holiness Pentecostal church in my life. And so I walked into that room that night into that sanctuary and, and she begins to worship and I'm just looking around like a deer in the headlights because this is out of my comfort zone. I mean, people running, shouting, twirling around. You think you get crazy. <laughs> and so I'm, I left that service that day and I said, no, no. 
<laughs> Count me out on that one. I'm not about that. That's, I'm, I'm too cool for that, I guess. I don't know, you know. And she said, well, if you're going to stay with me, this is where we're going. And I said, well, I guess that's where I'm going. And so that's where we went. And um, I, I said all that today because there was something that I learned in that little Pentecostal holiness church. I learned to worship. I learned to pray. I learned to, um, I learned the gifts of the Spirit. I, I was told that if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to go to hell. I'm not kidding. And so, I mean, I prayed until I spoke in tongues. With about five guys around me praying and pushing me and throwing me and trying to push me down. And I was determined, you ain't pushing me down, you know. And so it didn't take long. And after a couple of, I don't know how long it took, a week, month. I don't know how long we were in church. Well, that night, I'll never forget, I, I received what we call, what we used to call, I got, I got the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I got the Holy Ghost. And so I got the Holy Ghost one night and my love changed. I'll never forget. And I tell this story today and I hope Lyle's watching and Allie and I'm sure they are. And Lyle had been admitted into the hospital. He had been sick and I'll never forget you remember that? The very first time. I, I don't know why it comes. He was two years old. And, and, and I loved Lyle and I loved Melissa. But something happened that day because I had something on the inside of me had changed. I learned. I'll get, listen to me. I learned how to love. The Holy Ghost taught me how to love. And I walked in that room, and I'll never forget it. I looked at him, and he was laying, at two years old, laying in that bed. And, he, and they had a, his arm strapped down. They had an IV in his arm. I'll never forget this. And I got home, and I, I went to the hospital. I opened the door, and he went like this with little puppy dog sad eyes. And he lifted his arm up on that board, and he said, Dad. And it broke my heart. And at that moment, God spoke to me, and he said, that's love. He said, it's not because of that. It was because you learned to care for something more than yourself. You learned to realize that there's more to this than you. There's more to this than just me and my happiness. And happiness is overrated. I'm not saying you shouldn't be happy. But if all you're looking for is happiness, come on, guys. Come on, get real. If that's all you're looking for is happiness, then I guess do drugs right until you get to the point that you die. I don't know what you do with that because God's not a drug. You don't intravenously pump your body full of God and the Holy Spirit. No, what you do is you live and you grow and, and you live through things that are hard sometimes. And it doesn't make sense why you're there. But something in you is pushing you through those valleys. And, and you walk through some of those places that you never thought maybe you're going to have to walk through. But God said, if you'll walk through this, I'll mature you so that when you come out on the other side, you're a better person and you can help other people more because you made it through. And I, I, I've, I've often looked around me and I've looked at my wonderful family and I've looked at you guys and I, I think to myself, I'll never forget last Sunday, my wife, we were standing in the nine service last Sunday morning and I grabbed her by the hand and it wasn't an arrogant statement. With tears in my eyes, I said, not everybody can do this. And I wasn't talking about worship. I wasn't talking about being in church. I'm talking about 
about paying a price that causes your family to love like never before. And whenever you feel like opting out, and whenever you feel like not walking through the valley anymore, and whenever you feel like you can't go on, it's not about you. It's about your children and your children's children. And it's about your spouse. And it's, it's, it's got to be something on the inside of you that says, I'm not living for me anymore. I'm living for God. It's a love that only God can put in you. But Satan will steal that love from you. He'll steal it from you. And you'll start thinking about you again. That's why marriages dissolve today. Now I'm starting to feel it. There's marriages dissolve today because people stop thinking about the other person. And they start thinking about themselves again. When's the last time you died? Was that in that song this morning? You got to die. People come to us for marriage counseling or for marriage premarital counseling. And I stick my head when she's in there. I stick my head in the room. Is this not true? And I say one word, die. If you'll die to you, it'll be awesome. But if you live for you, it's going to be horrible. You've got to start living for someone other than you. Come on, somebody. You've got to start loving for somebody greater than you. This is what God did for us. And if you don't, you're merchandising. If you don't, you're trading it. If you don't, you're holding back. And this is the state of the church today. is because the church is holding back some of what God expects for him and him alone. And whenever we start holding it back, we begin to get focused on us. And God's saying, get your eyes off of you and get them on me and see what I will do. Satan's greatest desire is to stop every person from worshiping God. My third and final point. What will be Satan's desire? Future tense. Notice with me Revelation 13, 4. People worship the dragon. Again, let's talk prophetic. People worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worship the beast and ask, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? I want you to notice, this was stolen from Miriam. This was stolen in the Red Sea. If you don't think Satan's not a copycat, he's a copycat and every follower of Satan is a copycat. They are not original because what is said here in Revelation was taught in the law. Miriam came through the Red Sea and she began to sing the song of Moses in, in Exodus after Miriam had crossed into, through the Red Sea. She said, who is like our God? Who is able to make war with him? In the last days, they will be saying, Who is like our God? And who is able to wage war with him? Talking about Satan. Not about our God, our Heavenly Father. If you don't think today that our world is not primed for someone to step on the scene and be the Antichrist, guys, you need to open your eyes. Because what if somebody walked on the scene today and said, Hey, Got an answer for all your health issues. Hey, got an answer for all your financial issues. Hey, got an answer for this and that. Do you not think that the majority, we're not even to that point, but when we do, do you not think that people will bow down and say, this man has all of the answers. This man will deliver us. He will get us to where we want to go. 
You're going to have to grow a spine in these last hours, Christian. Because in the end time, people are going to be singing to Satan. Notice with me in Revelation 17, chapter 17, verses 13 and 14. They will all agree to give him their power and authority. Together they will go and to make war against the Lamb. Foolishness. They will go to make war against the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb, Jesus, the Lamb, the church, Jesus, the Lamb. But the Lamb will defeat them because He is the Lord of all lords and King of all kings. And He is called and chosen and faithful ones will be with Him. If I may, at this point in the scripture, Jesus said, enough. Give me my proverbial sword. I'm going to go take care of this. Jesus finally gets to a place. Enough is enough. Notice with me in Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse. Now get this, guys. You've got to ride this thing with me for a moment. There was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, Jesus. The just He judges and wages war. His eyes are like a blazing fire, and on his head were many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. Hmm, Calvary. His robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven were following him. Who's that? Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen. Somebody say, that's me. White and clean shall we be. <laughs> Come out of, and coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with an iron scepter. And he treads on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has his name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. I remind you today of who wins this war. I remind you today that CNN and Fox and and NBC and and all of these different news stations and all of these different people that are propagating certain things. No, do we have some issues we need to straighten up? Absolutely. But I'm telling you at the end of it all, if I could prophesy straight right now to that spirit that's driving this, it is the antichrist spirit and it's time for the church to stand up and take its place and say, I will be what God's called me to be and I will stand in the very place and we will rejoice in the presence of an almighty God. He's worthy to be praised. It is true. Just a minute, just a minute. Hang with me just a minute, just a minute. In Revelation chapter number 21, you can play for me though, I appreciate that much. Revelation 21, it says this, the new Jerusalem was coming down from heaven and the bride is clothed with precious stones. This is us. This is Jesus' bride. This is me and you. This is us. Get your eyes up. Get your eyes up. I don't know what's going on in here today. I don't know what's going on in your spirit today. But get your eyes up. Worship. Dance. Shout. Victoriously dance. 
march through the streets of Nashville if you need to, but do something because we win. Now I want you to get this, and this is how I close today. Whenever Satan was cast out of heaven, in all of his pride and arrogance, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little animated this morning, but this is what I see in Satan. I see him saying things like, well, God, who's going to worship you now? Because you made me the worship leader of heaven. Who's, who's going to worship you now? I'm the harp. I'm the pipes. I'm the wind instruments. I, I'm the percussion. So heaven, if I may, may have stood still for just a moment. And then God reached down, if I may be so. In the garden, he, he took his hand down and he, he took some dirt. Now get this. And he blew into that dirt. And Adam appeared. And there was Adam. Now I want you to get... How God made Adam. God made Adam with vocal cords, strings. <laughs> God put air in Adam's lungs, pipes. And God gave him percussion. And so whenever Satan was cast down, God had a plan the whole time. I don't need you. I won't point at anybody. I, I don't need you. I've got some people. It won't just be one in heaven with a harp and with the percussion and with the wind instrument. He said, I'm going to make a bunch of folk. They're going to have strings in them. They're going to have air in their lungs that whenever they speak and breathe and pray and worship, they begin to speak and breathe just like Satan did. And whenever they clapped their hands, there was percussion that began to come forth. So what is, why, why, why does Satan hate you so much? Because you took his place. I got air in these lungs. I got vocal cords that still work. And I got some hands that Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.